Have you had some good conversations this week? <laughs> what is a conversation, an informal talk between two or three more people and news, ideas are exchanged? I've been talking to you and having a conversation with you about my coffee mug. Do you like my coffee mug this morning? It's If you're uh, listening on the podcast, it's a mosaic of... Uh, the bread and the fish. I picked this up when I was in Jerusalem. It was This was my souvenir to myself in 2015 in May when I was there. And uh, we were in a group and there's certain souvenir shops that they suggested you not go into. Maybe they take advantage of uh, tourists. But uh, this particular one and a lot of Christian um, souvenirs. So... Uh, when I drink about, out of this cup, I, I think about that trip and have a lot of wonderful memories. And uh, I got to looking at this mosaic and, and thinking about it. And apparently there is a church where they found a mosaic of the bread and the fishes. And the church is called the, the Church of the Multiplication of the Loaves and the Fishes. So aren't you glad you come to Newvale? I mean, like, where do you go to church? The Church of the Multiplication of the Loaves and Fishes. I mean, that takes up... That takes a full paragraph to get that out. The kingdom of God spreads throughout the world. How? One conversation at a time. We're asking God to, to train us, to teach us in this, in this art of making disciples or the art of redemptive conversations. We all have incredible amounts of chatter. We talk about the news. We talk about the weather. We talk about each other. But we want to help each other follow Jesus. Some of the most great, the greatest assets we have are human friendships. And we want to use those friendships to help each other follow Jesus. We're asking the Lord to sanctify our words so that they do some good, right? So let's read this verse together this morning. Uh, Psalm 19:14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. One more time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Many of Jesus's conversations were outside the four walls of the church. 2 weeks ago we talked about uh, Nicodemus, a religious leader, they had a conversation at night. And Nicodemus, we learned that no one can be so good that they don't need, that, that no one can be so good that they can attain their way into the kingdom of God. You still need the Savior. Last week, the woman at the well, we met her and we learned that no one can be so bad, on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. No, so one can be so bad that you cannot be entered into the kingdom by accepting Jesus into your heart. And Jesus has these encounters that changes everything. I mean, Nicodemus' life was changed when he goes into this conversation about being born again. The woman at the well was forever changed by this encounter and conversation with Jesus. In fact, it rippled out into the whole town. Many believed. Ripple conversations because of the conversation they had at the well. When people encounter Jesus, everything changes. Now, it depends on how you respond to the conversation. Because the Bible lesson that we have today is really a tragic story. It's an encounter with Jesus 
But it's one that doesn't turn out so well. Depends on what you do with the encounter. Today, in Matthew's, three of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke, all record this encounter with the rich young ruler. And I want you to watch just this uh, video that plays out the first few verses. If you want to follow along in your Bible, it's from Luke chapter 18. Good master. What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Which? Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? One thing thou lackest. Thou wilt be perfect. Go. He said that thou hast. And give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Who then can be saved? With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. was Peter getting ready to walk up on the side there. And I'll continue this conversation for a few verses. Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in the present age and in the age to come eternal life. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain man sat by the road begging. I just I put that last verse in there. To, these conversations go right one from the other. He's having this encounter with the rich young ruler. Then he keeps having the conversation with his disciples. And then we see a beggar sitting by the road. And, and maybe at some other message we'll talk about that conversation that they had. 
I, I, I'm amazed as I'm looking at these actual conversations of Jesus, how intriguing they really are. He's asking him, good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus doesn't answer the question about eternal life right then. He says, why do you call me good? He, he basically pulls the converse, conversation in and, and hooks them, I will, if you will, into a, a thought that makes them think a little bit deeper. Because we have conversations, again, God help us not just to tell everything. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Just don't regurgitate everything that you know. Ask questions. Ask questions to see where they are and what they know and what they understand. There's a lot to like about this rich young ruler, right? I mean, we understand that he's, he's young from Matthew and Luke is the one that says he's a ruler. We've seen that all types of people are attracted to Jesus. The, the religious people like Nicodemus, the outcasts like the woman at the well, they're, they're all attracted to Jesus. When we look at this rich young ruler, we would say, well, this is, this is a good recruit. I mean, I'd like to have him on my team. If, if we were a sports team, he would be, he would be one we would want in a recruiting class. You, you would, you would, it seems you'd want him in your church. I mean, he's, he's living clean. He's likely worked hard to achieve this wealth. He seems like a good recruit. There's a problem in his life, isn't there? Not only does he have wealth, but his wealth has him. In this exchange, Jesus doesn't really pause to correct it. He, he just kind of, I love Jesus. Sometimes Jesus just goes straight for the jugular, right? I mean, he goes right to the heart of the matter. There's something missing in his life. Some priority that's in the wrong order, preventing him from entering the kingdom. He'd ask the question. He'd gotten the answer. If you, if you want to be complete, go sell your possessions Give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. I think this rich ruler was expecting to be told, you know what? You've done so well, all you need to do is carry on as you've been doing. I mean, that he could have expected that answer, right? I mean, he's keeping all the commandments. He's doing pretty well. What else do I lack, Master? What else do I lack, good teacher? Well, just keep on doing what you're doing. You, man, whoo, yeah, you're doing great, buddy. Just, just, just keep on. That's kind of the answer he's expecting, right? Pat on the back, maybe. But Jesus knew what was going on in his heart. Jesus invited him to do something contrary to the previous direction of his whole life. Go and sell everything that you have. Jesus put his finger on what he prized most, his wealth. The candidate for the kingdom was being asked to loosen the grip of what he trusted, which was his wealth. Without that step, he wasn't keeping the other commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make to yourself any idol. His wealth was his goal. He had made money an idol. He, like every else, everyone else, was a sinner. I think the disciples, they were kind of perplexed about this whole ordeal, right? I mean, Jesus, aren't you coming down a little hard here? He's telling him to sell everything. 
Jesus wasn't denouncing wealth per se. He was denouncing anything. Money, status, achievements. Anything that acts as a form of self-righteousness and becomes an obstacle. Are you with me this morning? It doesn't have to be just money. We can be sold on ourselves. And that can be the problem keeping us from getting into the kingdom. When I've preached on money before, I've told you. Money is not the problem. Money is is not the root of all evil, right? It's the love of money. I have seen and have some friends that are incredibly wealthy, but they live their lives like this. They they just live their lives like it's all yours, God, and God has blessed them. They've been great stewards. They they give generously. It's it's out of the abundance of their heart and their love for God. And I've known some people that don't have anything that that act so materialistic. Money has them and they have no money. It's kind of funny, huh? You with me? Jesus goes right for the juggler. He puts his finger on the very point of where the issue really was. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Sadly, he didn't respond. Look, I've been, ha- <laughs> I've been having some hard conversations recently. <laughs> like I'm preaching in, like, okay, I don't really want to have that conversation, Lord. But as we see the day approaching, I believe there's the body of Christ. We're going to have to have some more hard conversations with one another. And with though, I mean, because there's false teaching... <laughs> The world will let us squeeze us into the moon. And I don't want to shy away from the hard conversations, friends. Sometimes conversations don't go the way we want them to go. Many believe and and follow God when we have a conversation as Nicodemus did as the woman at the well but there's going to be some conversations that don't necessarily go so well you and I's commitment must be to have the conversation and trust the results to the Lord I've told many people in these last days, I'd, I'd much prefer to be Peter preaching under the anointing on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people getting saved. But can I tell you, if the Lord calls me to be a Jeremiah and preach and nobody listened, his whole church, his whole country walked out on him. Nobody was listening. But Jeremiah was faithful to the Word of God. Hard conversations. I was just reading yesterday in Acts chapter 18 and Aquila and Priscilla. These are incredible lay people that helped with the ministry of Paul. In that particular encounter, in that conversation, Apollo was preaching. He was an apparently better pulpiteer than Paul was. Great preacher. And it says in Acts chapter 18 that Aquila and Priscilla took him aside in their house and said... We need to explain the way of God more accurately to you. I thought, wow, that's a hard conversation. I'm sure they were like, wow. And they just did it the right way. They did it with integrity. They didn't lambast him in public. No, they took him aside and said, Brother Apollo, you're, 
You're preaching about this baptism of John. We want to introduce you to Jesus and everything else. Let us explain the way of God more accurately. I praise God for Holy Spirit men and women, lay people that can speak the Word of God and have hard conversations. Thank you for what you do, Aquila and Priscilla's. Hard conversations. In this, he talks about, as the rich young ruler walks away, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And when I was in Jerusalem, they took us to one of the big gates, and they had this little small gate in it, and they talked about that being the eye of the needle, and that if the gate was shut after hours or in the evenings, that a camel could actually, I have no clue how a camel could actually get through that. And some most commentators have kind of dismissed that, but... I think the the point that Jesus was trying to say here, and, and maybe Dr. Luke using the word needle, he's a physician. I go, I go back to that. It just takes a miracle for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Any way you look at it, right? And it, what Jesus is saying here, as they, as they ask him the question, well, look, if that's the case, how can anybody be saved? And that's where Jesus comes back with this incredible promise and statement. With man, it is impossible. But with God, with the cross, with Jesus, everything is possible. With God, all things are possible. I don't know what you're facing today. A need for salvation, a need for encouragement, a need for provision. But can I give you the encouragement out of the Word of God? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter said, we've left all and followed you. Jesus follows it up with a statement that whoever has left all will receive many more times in the present and in the time to come. In your Bibles, you might want to write next to this passage, the left investment. You know what investments are? Take a little bit and you want it to grow. Well, here we learn about leaving something in order to receive something. See, sometimes God works in our lives and we are called to lead something in order to receive something from God. If my life is jammed full of me, there's no room for God. <laughs> Peter and John left their nets. Are you with me? They left something so they could receive something from God. They received a calling. said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then I see the Holy Spirit coming on them in such a way they preach. Peter has so much glory on him. His life is overshadowed. He just passes by and his shadow starts healing people. Now, if he's back in the nets, he doesn't have that opportunity. <laughs> but he has left something. And so he receives something. From God. Old Testament. Of leaving to receive something. The prophet Elisha's out. He's a farmer. He's out plowing. He gets the call of God on his life. And scripture tells us. That he left his plow. He slaughtered the oxen. And he just makes a. He says okay. You're calling me God. I'm just going to. I'm going to make an offer, and he has a he has a worship service with his old equipment, and he burns the plow. I'm not looking back. 
He left everything. These guys left everything. They left their security to receive the calling of God and the glory and the fire of God. I don't know what it is in your life. It may or may not be a career. But God is calling us today. There's something we're hanging on to. The rich young ruler was hanging on to his wealth. It may be a relationship. It may be wealth. There is something in our lives that we're, we're grasping for. We're hanging on to. And the Holy Spirit is saying, let it go. Loose it today. Leave it today. And receive me and everything that I want to do in your life. We must leave something in order to receive something from the God. Elisha receives a double portion. <laughs> Had he stayed with the oxen, there's no double portion for what God wants to do in his life. The disciples were experiencing here what was being offered to the rich young ruler. They were doing it. They didn't understand all of it, but they were doing it. In the early 1900s, 16-year-old William Borden, Borden, 16 years old, he graduated from high school. He's heir to the Borden fortune. And before he goes off to his Ivy League education at Yale, his parents, now let, check this out for a high school graduation gift, a trip around the world. This is in the early 1900s. So this would be this is pretty extravagant, right? A trip around the world for a graduation present. Don't count on it, B. <laughs> Earlier in Borden's life, he had come to Christ through the ministry of D.L. Moody. And while on his trip around the world, something happened that no one expected. As he traveled through Asia and the Middle East and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. He wrote a letter to his parents and informed them that he wanted to spend the rest of his life as a missionary. Upon hearing the news, one of his friends remarked, he said, you're going to be throwing your life away as a missionary. Upon his return, Borden went to Yale. He graduated. He went and studied at Princeton Theological Seminary. Graduated. He finished this Ivy League education and then he boarded a ship to China to serve as a missionary. But he wanted... He had such a passion for the Muslim people that he wanted to stop in Egypt to learn the Arabic language. While in Egypt, at 25 years old, he contracted spinal meningitis. This must have been right before. He looked like an old 25. I guess there was pictures. But he died at age 25. And the news of his death was cabled back to the United States. Nearly every major American newspaper reported on it. In his biography, it stated a wave of sorrow went around the world. He not only gave up his fortune, but himself to be a missionary. He had walked away from his wealthy fortune to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nation. Most regarded it as a tragedy. However, God took the tragedy and did something greater than Borden could have ever done himself. See, when thousands of young men and women read the newspaper article, they, they were so inspired that Borden gave everything that they answered the call. And there was thousands of young people that responded to the call to go because of his testimony. When Borden's parents were given his Bible, they found the following... Just after he renounced his fortune, fortunes to go into missions, he wrote the words, No Reserve. His father told him he'd always have a job in the company, but later his father told him 
He would never let him work in the company again. And after that, he wrote in the back of his Bible, no retreat. They discovered in his Bibles right before his death, he wrote the words while in Egypt, no regret. No reserve, no retreat, no regret. Was his life a waste? I don't think so. Not from God's perspective. No, he, he got his death and life was used to draw thousands and thousands of young men and women to leave all that they had. God, even through his death, used that tragedy to inspire and let the cause of the kingdom go forth. Think about William Borden being just the opposite of the rich young ruler. I want to spotlight one, one word in this passage this morning. Theologian Carl Henry, he ministered, or was a theologian and, and, and served on Billy Graham's team, but he says the scariest word or thought in the New Testament is this word paradidomi. Paradidomi. It means to be given over or to be delivered to. And we see this word in Romans chapter 1. If you read chapter 1 of Romans, it'll kind of scare you. It's a tragedy. It's, it's a, really a description of our culture today. And I'll just read a, a few verses of it. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And there's, there, this is the word paradidomi. Therefore, God paradidomi, He gave them up. To uncleanness, the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Does that sound like today? Worshiping the creator creation instead of the creator. God paradidomi. He gave them up. Carl Henry wrote this in 1980. He says, if you want. He said it seems to be that God, he even had the caution of, of America, God given us over. He said, if you want to kill babies, I'm going to, I'm going to pyramid it. If you want debt, I'll give you debt. I'm going to give you over to debt. You want sexual immorality, I'll give you. Say, that was his caution as a theologian. But look in verse 32. Of our scripture reading this morning. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're walking to Jerusalem. He's telling them what's going to happen. And he says he the son of man will be delivered. He will be paradidomi to the Gentiles. And will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They'll scourge him and they will kill him. I think the theologian only had it half right. It can be the scariest word, and that is scary, but it also can be a beautiful word. It depends on which way you get delivered. <laughs> See, Jesus delivered himself. He gave himself over to the, to the will of God, to the plan of God. So, it comes to us. The paradidomi came, the decision time came in the young ruler's life, and he backed away from it. I got to thinking, it's kind of like Kadesh Barnea. He got right up to the point of spiritual decision, and he backed away. Don't wimp out. Don't get right up to the point. And, the, and God puts His finger on the very thing that, that He's calling you to full surrender. Don't wimp out. 
We can choose what we're given over to. You can say no to God's call on your life and exchange the glory for corruptible things. I'm thinking about a family member that years ago, and actually there's two of them, years ago God had a call on their lives and for years they have rejected that call and they have wandered and wandered and wandered and no real fruit in their lives because they said no to God and what He was asking them to do. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force His will. He'll give you over to whatever you insist on. I want it to be His will. (laughs) And Jesus gives us that example in His life. He paradidomi. We see this in the great empty and passage of Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who he being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance of man, listen to me this morning, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus left something. He left the splendor of heaven. He left the splendor of glory. He left it all. So that he might receive the glory of the Father. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Because he was obedient. Even to death on the cross. Can I tell you one more thing that just really encouraged me from this passage? Don't you love these disciples? I mean they're just like us. They're having conversations all day with Jesus. Scripture says here, he's sitting there and he's telling them what's getting ready to happen. Let's go to Jerusalem. The Son of Man's going to be delivered. They're going to, they're going to kill him. They're going to mock him. They're going to spit on him. They're going to kill him. And then what does it say? They did not understand none of these things. This saying was hidden to them and they did not know the things that were spoken. I mean, we look at that, we read it, and we're like, come on, guys. I mean, can't you see that? I mean, we're, we're reading the playback. We, we get the, the full view of history here. We get to go back, and we see it in 2020 vision here. But they didn't understand it. He's telling them everything that are going to happen. And I thought, Lord, what are you saying today? What is your spirit telling the body of Christ today? And we're not listening. We're not hearing it. What could it be that God is up to? Could it be that we're so incredibly close to His coming and He's wanting to give us the, the strategies He's wanting to show and we're just not, we're just not clued in. And so, Lord, if they didn't get it, I, that encourages me a little bit as a follower of Christ because they were spending a lot of time with Jesus. They didn't get it. I said, Lord, I, I want to understand. Reveal those things to me so that I can know better. Does that encourage you today? Is that just for me? The Reformation and Reformation Sunday, 500 years ago, Martin Luther went and, and he said, the just shall live by faith. And there was a great move of God. And I read one pastor this week that says, 
God is, there's a great awakening. He's confirming what I'm sensing in my spirit as well, that the, another great move of God. And he said, it's not coming just from the pulpits of God. It's coming, grace is flowing from the throne of God. And it is moving through community. And I say, blaze, spirit, blaze, flow, river, flow. Set our hearts on fire. What is God wanting to do? And we're just not getting it. The call to the rich young ruler and to the disciples was leave your kingdom and receive the kingdom of God. See, it's not about an accumulating. No, it's about leaving it all. Leaving it all. Fame, fortune, reputation. Leaving it all for the sake of the kingdom of God and receiving all that God has for us. Where's your treasure this morning? The Holy Spirit kind of pinpointed one thing in your life that maybe you need to leave. It could be an old hurt. It could be an old pain. But if you don't leave it, you can't receive the healing and the grace of God. What's he asking you to leave this morning? We we can all get in the mode of playing it safe in life. We we tend to retreat from the things that are hard, right? See that, that long pause after Jesus told him? <laughs> he was thinking about it. He was thinking about it. And then he turned and he walked away. We look back over time. Often we have many regrets. But can we say with William Borden today, no reserve. Don't hold back this week. Whatever it is you're facing, don't hold back. Face it. Go for it. No retreat. Don't always choose the easy path. There are times when God's will is not easy. But can I tell you this morning, go for it in Jesus' name. No retreat. No regret. Don't live cautiously this week. When this week is over... (laughs) Let's not look back and say there's the regrets. No, let's go for it. Choose only God's will this week. Stand with me this morning. I sense the Spirit of God is here. And Carmen's going to sing and play something this morning. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had an invitation. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, these altars are open. I'd love nothing better than to pray for you. Whatever the Spirit of God has put on His finger on this morning. This may be the day that you need to come and leave it today and receive what God has for you. Just respond in obedience to Him this morning. Every part of my world Take this life and Yes, Jesus. This is how we feel about it this morning. This heart that is now yours. You can have it all. Thank you, Jesus. Every part of my This is how you feel about it this morning. Take this life and breathe. No reserve. No retreat. No regret. Oh, 
there's joy in surrendering this morning. There's joy in surrendering this morning. gave it all. He left it all. Thank you for the peace. Lord, we receive your peace this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Give it all to him this morning, crowd. My brothers, my sisters, give it all to him this morning. You can have it all, God. Every part of me, the good, the bad, and the ugly this morning, God, the hurt, the pain, the unknown future, we give it all to you this morning, God. Our possessions, our lack of possessions, we give it all to you today, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Every part of my heart. Take this life and breathe. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. This heart that is now before I pray a closing prayer anybody else that just say pastor God's dealing in my heart and I just need to step out and join these others that are just honest before him this morning anybody else let's get real with God no reserve no reserve no regrets no retreats this morning Lord, I, I pray a prayer of faith just now, God. I know you've been speaking to me this week, God. You're speaking to every one of our hearts, oh God. And so, Lord, we, we don't want to be like the rich young ruler. Lord, come right up to you and ask you a great question and engage you in conversation. And you tell us what we need to do. And then we back away from it, God. I plead the blood against any retreat, against any reservation today, God. I plead the blood that we will have a spirit of obedience, that we will say yes, God, yes to your will, yes to your way. God, give us a holy courage in these last days, God. Even if it means hard conversations, God. Even if we're worried about what other people might think. Even if they reject us, oh God. Even if they all walk away. I have decided I will follow Jesus. I have made my claim. I am going with God. Lord, we're going to leave our nets. We're going to leave everything that in this world, reputations, oh God. Lord, we're going to leave it and we're going to follow you, oh God. We're going to follow you, oh God. Download your power in our hearts today. We earthen vessels, God, broken, oh God, 
Lord, but we want to be filled today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. Every seeking heart today, God. Lord, we are emptying ourselves of ourselves. You can fill us. You don't share space with us, God. You don't share space with with self-righteousness, oh God. You You don't share space, God, with earth and treasures and us holding on to the things of this earth. So we leave that today, God. We leave that today. As Peter says, we left all to follow You, God. And we receive Your power today. We receive Your glory. Lord, some of us, I pray a double portion, oh God. Lord, a double portion of following You, God. Some have broken generational curses, God. So I pray for a double portion of following after Jesus. God, give us the Spirit of God that says, I will go with God. I will follow You. And Lord, I pray over every conversation this week, set our conversations apart. Lord, however many people are here, however many conversations will happen this week, God, sanctify them right now at the beginning of this week, God. Sanctify Monday's conversations. Sanctify Tuesday's conversations. Sanctify Wednesday's conversations. Thursday's conversations. Friday's conversations. Saturday's conversations. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to You, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Shake hands with your neighbor and go in His peace. Have a holy conversation this week.